0: Over the last week or two, I've been thinking a lot about Morris Collis's words in my last podcast, where he believed a big error of the British uh, was in ruling Burma to do it only in their own interest and not think about Burmese interests. It's also set me thinking whether that was the real reason for why Burma is where it is today, or were there other factors? Of course, as um, Nell Adams points out in her book, My Vanished World, she believes the signing of the Panglong Agreement in 1947 was the start of the long downfall. And, of course, uh, another relevant event is in July 1947, not long after the signing of the Panglong Agreement, Aung San was assassinated. But it's probably more complex than that. Um, It involves other issues, such as how the British, when they took control, moved King Tibor into exile in India, and the effect that had on the Burmese. Some years ago, I wrote a short history of Southeast Asia, which is now in its sixth edition. And I thought that my chapter on Burma or Myanmar might be relevant to refresh our memories as to how we got to where we are today and to see whether there are any other factors that played into the disastrous last multi-decades for the country. But before I start reading the chapter, which I think I'll do over a few podcasts so it's not too long, I thought it relevant to read out a few words that I put at the beginning of the book and which were, in fact, the catalyst for why the book was written. It was while I was living in Singapore, back I think in the 80s, I read a speech of Lee Kuan Yew, the then Prime Minister, in which he said, To understand the present and anticipate the future, one must know enough of the past, enough to have a sense of the history of a people. Well, those words struck me. And as I say, it was the reason behind writing the book. But I think those words are absolutely true to the situation in Burma. To understand where the country is now and where it's like to be in the future, we have to go back to the past. So let me start reading from the chapter on Myanmar in the book, and as mentioned, I'll Break the chapter into several podcasts so each one is not too long. Thank you. Myanmar, formerly known as Burma, is a unique country in Southeast Asia. For most of the six decades since achieving independence in the aftermath of World War II, Myanmar has isolated itself from the outside world. From its pre war position as a relatively rich agricultural colony, and a major exporter of rice, it has slumped to being the poorest nation in Southeast Asia. Mineral-rich, in the new century it is dependent on oil imports to keep its shaky economy running. Ruled by a military regime from 1962 to 2015, for 40 years it deliberately isolated itself from the political, social and economic forces that have swept over the rest of Southeast Asia. While in the early 1990s there were signs that economic imperatives and political pressure from both inside and outside the country were at least leading to a more outward-looking economic policies, by the first years of the new century, the Asian economic crisis, continuing unresolved domestic political disputes, and international condemnation by Western governments led to a stagnant economy. And even with the first civilian government taking power early in 2016, Significant political, economic and social issues remain to be solved. Myanmar is the most ethnically diverse state in mainland Southeast Asia. The Burmese comprise around 68% of the population of 54 million, but there are more than 100 ethnic groups in the country. The Burmese dominate the alluvial plains and major towns and cities. The hills bordering neighbouring countries of India, Bangladesh, China, Laos, and Thailand are populated by ethnic minorities. These peoples have long resisted Burmese domination. The largest of the ethnic minorities are the Shan's, the Karens, and the Arakanese, who are on the Bangladesh border. The multi-ethnic nature of Myanmar and the antipathy between Burmese and the ethnic minorities is one important theme in Myanmar's history. There is strong coincidence between religious adherence and ethnic divisions. The Burmese are predominantly Buddhist, whereas the Karen and the Shan are predominantly Christian, and the Arakanese are split between Buddhists and Muslims. Buddhism entered Myanmar from India from the 7th century, and along with it came Hindu-Buddhist cosmological ideas. The ethnic Burmese began their migration from southern China in the 9th century and over the succeeding thousand years steadily spread throughout the lowland plains of present-day Myanmar. The Burmese embraced Buddhism. Christianity was introduced during the British rule. British missionaries evangelised amongst the animistic hill tribes, converting the Shan, Karen and other ethnic minorities to the Christian faith. The coincidence of ethnicity and religion has deepened the divisions between the ethnic groups in Myanmar. A second major theme in Myanmar's history is a deep concern about its neighbours. The Burmese and the Thais have competed for territory, power and wealth over hundreds of years, resorting to war where necessary and thoroughly distrusting each other in the periods of peace. The Burmese have also ingrained fears of their huge northern neighbour. China, remembering the Mongol conquest at the end of the 13th century, and still fresh memories of the colonial period when Indian migrants dominated the modern sector of the economy. Ruled by an inward-looking elite who are wary of their neighbours, fearful of foreign influences, and steeped in distrust of ethnic minorities, Myanmar is a very different country from any other in Southeast Asia. Myanmar's Pre-Colonial History The tutorial boundaries of Myanmar are the creation of the British colonialism. Prior to British conquest, no indigenous kingdom controlled the territory that now comprises Myanmar. The division between the alluvial plains, that's called the lowlands, and the mountainous regions, the highlands, is central, not just to the history of Myanmar, but to the history of all mainland Southeast Asia states. Lowland Myanmar is dominated by the Irrawaddy River and the rich alluvial plain created and recreated by thousands of years of annual monsoonal flooding. The first known kingdoms emerged in the lower Irrawaddy Valley from the 5th century. They were non-Burmese kingdoms, but strongly influenced by Hindu Buddhism ideas. The first major kingdom was founded around 1044, on the banks of the Irrawaddy River at Pagan, north of the present-day capital of Yangon, formerly known as Rangoon. For over 200 years, until the end of the 13th century, the Pagan Empire flourished, at its peak controlling much of the territory of present-day Myanmar. It was a Buddhist kingdom whose temple remains at Pagan attest not only to its great agricultural wealth, but also to its people's knowledge of mathematics, geometry and engineering. The temples of Pagan stretch over a 40-square-kilometre zone. Some are as large as medieval European cathedrals, though built a century or more earlier. Pagan remains a golden era in the Burmese mind, when a strong, prosperous Burmese kingdom created beautiful temples and religiously inspired works of art and was a renowned centre for Buddhist scholarship. The first Burmese kingdom was destroyed by a northern invader. Pagan was attacked by the Mongols from China at the end of the 13th century. The city of Pagan itself was sacked and subsequently abandoned. Only the temples remained under the control of Buddhist monasteries. In its place for the next 300 years were a series of small competing rulers all of whom failed to recreate the glories of Pagan. In the middle of the 16th century, a new Burmese kingdom emerged at Pegu, near Yangon, and tried to unite the Burmese. It quickly exerted control over much of lower Burma and north to the Shan states. Once again, the Burmese were divided by a number of small competing kingdoms. In the middle of the 18th century, a new Burmese kingdom emerged at Ava, near Mandalay. It gradually extended its control over much of what is now Myanmar, including conquering the hill states of the Shan people. It became a major regional power, competing with the Thai kingdom of Ayudia for territory and people. The Thai-Bohamese rivalry was strong and often bitter. In 1767, Ava was strong enough to dispatch an army to Ayudia the capital was sacked, treasures were looted, with many finding a home today in Myanmar's museums, and tens of thousands of Thais were captured and transported back to Myanmar as slaves. The Thai kingdom collapsed to be replaced a few years later by a new kingdom, the Chakri dynasty, which continues in Thailand today, and whose capital was built further south at Bangkok, away from the threat of Burmese attack. At the end of the 18th century, Myanmar was the strongest state in mainland Southeast Asia. The Chakri dynasty in Thailand was in its infancy, recovering from the Burmese destruction of Ayutthaya, and the Vietnamese kingdom was torn by rebellion. The balance changed in the early 19th century. The Thai and Vietnamese kingdoms flourished while the Burmese kingdom declined. The Burmese ruling elite was noticeably more inward-looking than its Thai and Vietnamese counterparts and less involved in commercial relations with the outside world. As Britain increased its presence in Southeast Asia in the 19th century, the Burmese elite proved less able than the Thais to appreciate the threat posed to them, and therefore less able to adopt strategies to cope with them. I'll stop reading the chapter now, and when I come back in the next podcast, we'll start with the colonial period. Thank you for listening.